0: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today our guest is George Weigel, distinguished Senior Fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He's a Catholic theologian and one of America's leading public intellectuals. He holds the Ethics and Public Policy Center's William E. Simon Chair in Catholic Studies, And George is also an author of several books, including his most recent, The Next Pope. George, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Deacon Jeff. Good to be uh, with you.
0: Uh, Before we get into the article you wrote, uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about your most recent book that you have out, The Next Pope, and a little bit about how people can follow the Ethics and Public Policy Center
1: next pope was published uh, in early summer of last year. It's my reflection on the future of the Church, what it means to be a Church of the New Evangelization uh, for everyone, uh, viewed through the prism of what the papacy can do to advance our being a Church of the New Evangelization, or as Pope Francis has put it, a Church of Missionary Disciples. It's a quick read. uh, Your listeners who are familiar with others of my books will be happy to know that this one's only 140 pages
0: long. That'll Uh, probably double sales, George.
1: (laughs) And um, uh, I I hope it gives people a vision of possibility uh, for the Catholic Church in the 21st uh, century. Uh, The Ethics and Public Policy Center is uh, one of many think tanks in Washington, but it's the only religion and society think tank in Washington. We're an ecumenical and interreligious uh, collegium of scholars who uh, each in his or her own way address just about everything on the public policy agenda. We have a very significant body of, of Catholic scholars uh, and those who wish to find out more about the center and its work can go to our website, www.eppc.org. Okay, And
0: great. there's
1: a whole uh, roster of people, there are uh, recent articles, um, so I think people will find it a helpful resource.
0: Yeah, it is a very good website. I've been on it, I look on it. it, and it is a wealth of information, so if people want to know kind of what's going on, especially when it comes to the faith uh, great place to go. And that's, you know, you, you have your most recent, not most recent, but one of your more recent articles that we're going to talk about today, President Biden and the Catholic inflection point. Um, you know, reading that article, uh, it really struck home because I've had similar conversations with a lot of people. Uh, what do you mean by the inflection point? Where do you think the church may go with having this Catholic president who doesn't really follow the teachings of the Church in in a lot of areas?
1: We've had a serious problem with Catholic public officials who are incoherent in their Catholicism uh, for a very long time. Um, we've had Father Robert Drynen, a Jesuit priest in Congress for 10 years, um, a major supporter of Roe v. Wade and the abortion license. Uh, we have had um, state officials, local officials, members of the House and Senate who have been similarly um, uh, incoherent. in in respect of the first principle of Catholic social doctrine, which is the inalienable dignity and value of every human life. This is a bit different. Uh, President Biden is the most visible Catholic in the country. He's the most important Catholic public official in the world. And he is actively advancing... Uh, and facilitating policies that deny the truth of that first principle of Catholic social doctrine, the inalienable dignity and value of every human life. This is not just about abortion and euthanasia, although that's; those are certainly huge uh, issues and, and very much part of the problem here. Uh, it's also about gender theory. Gender theory is a direct contradiction of the biblical view of the human person. Gender theory is a direct contradiction of the Catholic view of the human person. If this administration imposes gender theory and uh, all that it has said it is going to do uh, in terms of advancing the transgender agenda, uh, on the entire country then it is going to in effect criminalize the biblical and catholic view of the human person now we have never been there before and this is why this is an inflection point and this is why uh... i think there is a gathering consensus among the bishops of the united states that this has to be vigorously addressed as it was in a very respectful way on inauguration day by Archbishop Gomez of Los Angeles, uh, the president of the Bishops' Conference.
0: Well, and it is, you know, I I couldn't agree with you more, and we see all the executive orders that are getting pumped out of there, so it does lead one to believe that uh, this is just the beginning, not the end. But how has the Church, being weakened with all the scandal and all the things that have gone on in the last couple of decades, really made it susceptible to a Catholic president who wants to really purport his own version of Catholicism.
1: Uh, this problem existed long before the abuse crisis right. broke out in um, 2002. Uh, Bob drynan was in Congress from 1973 to 1983. That's 20 years before. Yep. 20 to 30 years before the abuse crisis. Uh, this problem existed with Catholic politicians, re- the handing down of of Roe versus Wade on, and it's accelerated. Um, Mr. Biden used to take what what we called the Cuomo position. Uh, you know, I am personally opposed to abortion, but I cannot, in right. imp- you know, impose my views on a pluralistic society. Um, it, it's gone far beyond that with Mr. Biden now. Um, he seems to view, uh, the abortion issue through the lens of the empowerment of women, which is, of course, like viewing Thanksgiving through the uh, prism of the empowerment of turkeys. I mean,
0: this is really
1: <laughs> not making a lot of sense here. Um, uh, this is, um, uh, something that the those charged with um, teaching the truth of Catholic faith uh, have got uh, to address. Archbishop Gomez began that problem uh, that that uh, um, uh, that address on on inauguration day. Um, uh, he got some blowback, but I think he has the overwhelming majority of the bishops of the united states uh, firmly behind him and i suspect he has the overwhelming majority of the active catholics of the united states uh... behind him um, there is there's another dimension to this that we need to to lift up though this is not about politics this is first of all about the spiritual well-being of catholic public officials uh these men and women leading incoherent lives by supporting manifestly uh, grave evil are in spiritual trouble. And all of us need to reach out to them. This is not a job for bishops only or clergy only. It's uh, uh, We have gotten into this position uh, in part because too few lay Catholics have stepped up and held their Catholic public officials to account. Second point is that we are not talking about Catholic mumbo-jumbo here. We're not talking about Catholic sectarianism. There was all this business in the previous administration about believe the science. We are the science on the abortion issue. There is no question that the product of human conception is a human person, period. There is no scientific argument about that, Right. nor is there any argument in any serious theory of justice that innocent human life deserves the protection of the law. So we've got the science and we've got the moral theory on our side. We've also got the compassion on our side. There are over 3,000 crisis pregnancy centers in this country that offer a far more compassionate response to the crisis of unplanned or unwanted pregnancy than a technological fix that often leaves deep uh, wounds on all involved in it while taking an innocent human life
0: well and we also have science on our side for what you mentioned before when, when we have the you know the transgender ideology that's going on i mean geez, you can't have more science on your side that we're either male or female But we have people who ignore the science. And, you know, I I, I think you're right. You know, you mentioned the laity. You mentioned the bishops. Look, the laity have a responsible responsibility to understand the faith, don't they? And live that faith and not be sucked into a president just because he walks out of a church. Well, he must be a faithful guy. He walks out of the church.
1: I don't have any question in my own mind about the sincerity of of President Biden's piety. I, I believe he's a genuinely pious man who has found um, real consolation in 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 the faith in some very difficult situations in his life. Having said that, I also believe he is a very badly catechized Catholic. I don't think he understands uh the first principles of the social doctrine of the Church. I don't think he understands why uh, the life issues are, as Archbishop Gomez said uh, in his Inauguration Day statement, preeminent. They're preeminent because they're the basis of everything else. If the state can declare an entire class of human beings outside the protection of the law, which is exactly what the Supreme Court did in Roe v. Wade in 1973, then no one is safe. And as I pointed out in my Catholic press column today, or yesterday actually, um, the problem with Roe v. Wade is exactly the same problem as the, the parallel worst Supreme Court decision in history. Namely, the Dred Scott decision in 1857, in which the court said that a black person has no rights, that a white person is is bound to acknowledge or respect. So, an entire class of people was put outside the protection of the laws and and, and even even the possibility of, of citizenship. Uh, if you think Dred Scott was a terrible Supreme Court decision, you must think. That Roe versus Wade was a terrible Supreme Court decision, and for the same reason.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's the same logical conclusion. You know, if either you're people or you're not people, and when we start excluding people, that's uh, obviously leads to catastrophe. And we've had millions of babies killed since 1973, and more will continue to be killed until we right that ship, which Dred Scott got righted, and this one needs to be as well. Um, In terms, do the bishops, uh, and again, it's, it's not just their responsibility, it's everybody's responsibility. Do the bishops have what it takes to stand up to President Biden? I mean, you know, had they stood up to what happened at Roe versus Wade and been stronger, maybe we wouldn't be in the same position. But do they have what it takes to stand up now and do and say whatever they have to in terms of being able to save souls, including those politicians that that have a misunderstanding of the teachings of the Church? Uh,
1: the bishops of the United States have been absolutely foundational to the pro-life movement in this country for 48 years. They were strongly critical of Roe v. Wade as soon as it was issued in January 1973. They have made powerful, compelling public arguments, not peculiarly Catholic arguments, but public arguments that everybody who's willing to follow the science and follow the moral logic can understand for forty eight years what What has not happened is holding Catholic public officials to account for their incoherence this is This is the word that I have come to think, is most expressive of what's going on here. You've got incoherent Catholicism. um, And reversing that is not going to be done in the twinkling of an eye. It has to begin in every diocese. It has to begin in every parish. The truths of the dignity of the human person have to be preached in and out of season. Uh, and the Catholic people of the United States have to rally themselves to hold these public officials accountable. This is, this is a priority concern. There are many, many concerns in public policy. I freely grant that. But this is of an order of magnitude different than questions of climate and environment, tax policy or regulatory policy, this is absolutely fundamental, bottom-line stuff. This country began with the proclamation, we hold these truths to be self-evident, an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So we're really talking about the keel of the ship here we're, we're down as basic as basic gets
0: well and you mentioned uh, in your article about really it and people need to understand this it's our baptismal responsibility right and you say to be missionary disciples whether as citizens and meeting their civic obligations and you know or as public officials no Catholic gets a pass on a responsible citizenship and so everybody has to look in the mirror and figure out what how am i going to live the faith and do so in a way that others will see the light of truth and no one can escape that can they
1: not really i mean not everyone has to be as involved in the hammer and tongs politics of the public square as as some of us do not everyone has to be involved in in public argument, but everyone can surely write uh, a Catholic public official uh, who represents them and whom they believe is, is is quite wrong on some matters, and reach out to them as a brother or sister in Christ and say, look, I mean, you, you're just getting this wrong, and uh, I care about you as a uh, fellow believer, and I want you, I beg you, to think again about it. About all of uh, this, um, uh, this is what missionary discipleship can be—as simple as sending a letter to your member of Congress, your senator, or the president of the United States. And if you get an inappropriate answer, write again.
0: Yeah. So, are you who in within the lay community are you seeing, or are you seeing anybody kind of lead the charge on this to kind of be the example that people need to follow?
1: are you referring to lay Catholics yeah
0: yeah yeah life? just lay, just lay Catholics or lay apostolates that you know that people can say oh that's where I need that's what I need to do
1: uh, look uh, uh, Jeff as you know as well as I do there are there are a million <laughs> a million is an exaggeration there yeah, are many yeah. many pro-life organizations yeah uh, in the country uh, we're talking about the specific question of the lay Catholic responsibility to hold public officials accountable. You can't farm that out to an organization. You have to take that on yourself. Uh, If your representative or senator, or in this case, the president, is off the reservation, you need to tell them that and ask them to reconsider. You can't farm out that responsibility. In terms of building a culture of life in the country, Uh, Nothing is more important than making alternatives to abortion available uh, through um, crisis pregnancy centers. And at the other end of the life spectrum, uh, the rise of the hospice movement, which is very uh, closely uh, tied in in many cases to uh, various religious communities, is another way to, to build the culture of life against the threat posed by an increasing acceptance of uh, euthanasia and physician-assisted uh, suicide. Um, uh, the great leader of the pro-life movement at the congressional level, of course, for many years, was was Congressman Henry Hyde, whom I had the pleasure and privilege of working with for, for over 20 years. Uh, there's no one quite of that stature. Uh, left in uh, this last election cycle, we just lost uh, perhaps the last reliable pro life Democrat in the House of Representatives, Dan Lipinski of, uh, of Illinois, who was primaried out by uh, a hard left uh, candidate who um, is fully on board with all of the lifestyle libertinism that seems to characterize the Democratic Party today. Um, uh, so uh, this is uh, this is a long-term project, rebuilding a culture of life. But it includes many pieces. It includes these uh, alternatives to abortion and euthanasia. It inc- includes holding public officials accountable. Uh, it includes uh, asking bishops to be. Uh, as forceful as they can in teachers, as teachers of the truth, and then supporting them when they do. Uh, I've been hearing complaints about bishops and politicians for 30 years. I wonder how many of those complainants wrote Archbishop Gomez after his Inauguration Day statement and thanked
0: him. Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to complain, right? It's, it, we don't always see the, the thank you and the encouragement because if the more yep. you encourage, the more you're going to get stuff like that, which is what everybody wants in the long run. Uh, you know, you're, and you start off the article, and not to get things out of order, but I think people need to remember that we have an obligation to pray for these people, right? These people Absolutely. are not our enemies. These people are souls that need to be saved, right?
1: That is exactly right, and that is why I began that piece by saying our first obligation uh, towards the new president is to pray for him, uh, to pray for his deeper conversion to Christ, uh, out of which will come, one would hope, a clearer understanding of the issues we've been we've been discussing. Then the next obligation is
0: truth telling,
1: and that's what we've been talking about for the last few minutes here.
0: Well, and not only truth-telling, but people need to understand the faith, because in order to write somebody, you have to be able to articulate why the Church teaches what it does on life, on marriage, on religious liberty, on, on all those things. So it really is incumbent upon the laity that don't already to better understand why the Church teaches what it does, just not say that's because that's what the Church says.
1: Well, that is the least persuasive argument possible. The phrase, the church says, therefore, blah, 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 exactly. simply cuts no ice in this culture. And and uh, we, we've just got to stop doing that. On these life issues, as on the, uh, the gender theory issues, we are the ones who have the science, and we have the moral theory behind us. People need to learn that. People need to learn not to be um, whipsawed by the cultural headwinds that we all face in uh, taking these positions in public or or just taking them in in private conversation. I mean, uh, it takes courage in this culture to say to someone, do you really think that, you know... uh, unborn child is simply a blob of tissue here? Uh, Do you really think that physician-assisted suicide is a compassionate uh, means of end-life care? Uh, Do you really think that the way to deal with a uh, confused uh, 10-year-old girl who thinks she's a boy is to give her hormone blockers? Is that a form of child abuse? We have to be willing to say these things.
0: Well, and I think that that comes down to a willingness to engage uh, a culture that doesn't want to hear it but needs to hear it, right? I mean, in the end, it's not only the souls we're trying to save, but it's our own. And if we shirk our responsibilities, it's not going to work too good on Judgment Day to say, I was afraid, so I didn't do it.
1: Well, uh we need to encourage each other to do these things uh our pastors need to encourage us to do these things in their preaching and teaching uh we need to encourage the pastors to be those prophetic voices uh in in the culture um uh i think all of this is becoming clearer and clearer uh, since inauguration day uh we have a very very challenging four years ahead um so we should get on with the business of spiritual renewal and public renewal.
0: And so we're down to the the last minute. Really appreciate your time. How can P- I know you're syndicated in a bunch of different publications, and how can people follow what you're doing? Because you really seem to have your finger on the pulse of what's happening.
1: Uh, every All of my occasional writing, my weekly column, the articles I do— uh, appears, uh, at that Ethics and Public Policy Center website, www.eppc.org. Uh, it's usually right on the home page. If it's not there, it's on, uh, my personal page. You go to the Scholars tab and click on that and then click on me. And, uh, uh there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of material there.
0: Well, and I do encourage people to, uh, to pick up your books. I remember reading uh, Evangelical Catholicism. I thought you were spot on on that. And, you know, that, that theme needs to continue because if we're not evangelizing, things are just going to continue to get worse, aren't they? That,
1: that is the long-term, the only long-term answer to the cultural crisis we're in is the re-evangelization of our country.